With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of Strictly Hip Hop. I'm your host, as always, Chris Platty, and here with me is Chris Adams. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. You know, it's your boy. Lil back, Jetta. Back again. Lil Jetta is back, and we are here for a very special podcast, and this is the start of a new series I am launching on Strictly Hip Hop, and it is Classic Album Reviews, and here to start is Good Kid, Mad City. This is the This is the first classic review of many and I'm going to be releasing them on the birthday of that album. So when your favorite album is ready to drop or the anniversary of it, uh, just stay tuned for that. So we are starting with Good Kid, Mad City. Now, I know the first thing, the first question is going to be, why not start with The Chronic? Why not start with Illmatic? Well, here's why. The, the Good Kid, Mad City is the crown jewel of our generation of hip-hop. Chris and I, uh, our generation of hip-hop starts basically in 2010. And so since then, you've had good albums like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Watch the Throne, 2014, Forest Hills Drive, whatever. But this is the consensus number one album um, that is like that's critically acclaimed as the as the crown jewel of our generation of hip hop. I mean, it really it, it really did revitalize the West Coast hip hop scene. And so that's why we're starting there. All right. So. Good Kid, Mad City was the debut album of Kendrick Lamar, and it is it is mixed by the TDE in-house producers, mixed by Ali and Soundwave, and of course Dr. Dre. Uh, producers included Dr. Dre, Hip Boy, Pharrell, Just Blaze, Scoop DeVille, and uh, Top Dog and Dre are the executive producers. Basically, and, the hardest lineup of executive, like on yes. the executive side of an album ever, like. Yeah, I mean the production, the people behind the production team was is incredible. I know Andre Three Thousand was even involved. He's got some, he's got some credits on songs like "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe" and everything. Uh, there's even videos of him in the session. And uh, actually, the little handwriting in the corner on the "Good Kid, Mad City" short film by Kendrick Lamar is actually written by Schoolboy Q. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, anyways, this is like I said, the debut album of Kendrick Lamar. And so, basically, this album it is I won't tell everything about it, but basically, it takes us through a period in his life at age seventeen where he's in Compton and these life-altering things happen to him, and he's kind of just figuring out the uh, he's kind of fighting the balance between light and dark, so to speak, uh, 
between you know the harsh the harsh crime violence and uh drugs and everything that's involved in a dark place like compton versus wanting to get out and being a light and it's actually it's actually says in interviews that it's written like a film and if you follow it it is written like a film so it has a very clear concept uh, it's very mu- it's very often compared to it's very often labeled the west coast illmatic i'm sure you've heard that chris oh yeah absolutely yeah. We'll start with the intro track. We're just going to go track by track and talk about these. So, Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter's daughter. My God, I remember the first time I heard this. And it was it was incredible because um, this song is just to not get too in-depth about it. I don't want to make this a documentary about the album. But the song is about, is about uh, how Kendrick Lamar is stealing his mom's car to go meet this girl that he's messing with and to, you know hook up with her and all that and it's just really good because it starts off with this prayer um it starts off with this group of people playing it's very eerie very very eerie um very distorted and creepy and it takes a while for the beat to drop it's about it's about 50 seconds to a minute and all the first vocals you're hearing are this is this prayer actually and with that it transitions into the song about like i said kendrick going to meet this girl that he's hooking up with and it's just it it's beautiful it was instantly when i first heard it it was one of my favorites and i knew i was going to be in a uh in a trip on this whole album see and that's where i think it's very it this is where me and you vary a lot because when i really when this came out i was in my sophomore year of high school and during that time, I was—I definitely wasn't as like musically uh, developed, I guess you want to say. Okay. And so, like, this song didn't even really catch my ear at the time when really? I first heard it. Really. But as time went on and I kept listening to it, I realized that this honestly one was one of the highlights of the album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel that too. I feel like it just started off the album so strong, and it created it. It it's a really good intro because it kind of gives you an idea of who Kendrick is. It opens you up into his world. It, yeah, definitely. It does, and it's got it's got some very um, just beautiful instrumentation. One of the best instrumentals on this album. It's it's really good uh, with the little guitar riffs in the middle, like some nice touches to really uh, soothe it out and make it make it a very emotional beat. So I I really like that one, and it was really strong. And again, it's again this whole album. For those of you that don't know, is a story. So everything builds off another. But I'm not going to really talk about that. I just want to talk about the actual music. Um, so we'll we'll transition into the next song. So it transitions into what really sounds like it really does sound like an intro track, and that's "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe." Doesn't it kind of has this summery, uh, what you would call a spacey vibe to it? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The song really led me into the album once i heard this song this is this honestly to me was one of the pinnacles of the whole album this was one of my favorite songs even though it was a radio hit you didn't see my air quotations because <laughs> y'all just listening but i had some air quotes around that since it was technic i mean i guess a radio hit people really didn't see what was behind it but i think that this was a really great track i thought i thought that this uh, like this is honestly what one of the thing the sounds that i think of when i think of this album yeah i i agree with that i think that it does capture like i feel like 
I feel like this one, along with um, Money Trees, which we'll get into later, like those ones kind of capture the sound of, the sound of the album. It breaks down. It, it has a lot of deep meaning into it, so look into it. But again, it's kind of it kind of plays out, and it's a really strong start to the album. Like it really entices you to uh, listen to the rest of the album. Like it really gets you going. Uh, the next one, pretty much every song on this album has a skit that leads into the next song. So uh, I'm not going to like spoil the skits or anything or talk about them. But then the next one transitions into backseat freestyle. Now this one, I know, because when we first talked about this, when I first got onto this album, we were talking about this a lot, and I said that Backseat Freestyle was one of the first tracks, like off the first couple listens that I wasn't feeling at first. And um, I didn't get the meaning behind it. Again, there's a meaning behind it. He's rapping from a younger perspective. And it's just a very braggadocious rap uh, rap track with you know some some heavy bars, and it's it's really... It really showcases Kendrick's lyrical ability because I feel like at this point, again, this is still this is still very early into the album, and for a lot of people, this was their first opportunity, their first listen to a, a Kendrick Lamar. So I like that he put it here because it shows a lot of it shows a lot of lyrical ability and it shows really what he can do, right? Yeah, exactly. It really it shows you the vastness of his demeanor and his ability. Like honestly, like the first three tracks of the album. Although this is a cohesive album, they're so like they they show a lot of different they should they pick apart different images of him, which I think is really cool. And backseat freestyle, I like the fact that it's I, I see I think it's funny because it catches it caught so many people's ears. That one like you may have not have liked it, but that did a lot of people oh, like yeah. that song. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, listen to it more than once or twice and not you know mumble the chorus right. all my life I don't want yeah. exactly and the thing I think that's such a funny play on like the way that society works nowadays with hip hop is that they want to hear that and really Kendrick isn't even talking as himself right now which I yeah. think is I think that's really interesting the way that he did again yeah it was it's really cool so basically the premise of this song is that he's in the car with his homies they're throwing on beats and he's freestyling although it is all one beat and I love it too because he's just toying with the beat, and again, he's really showing a wide vocal range too. The way the chorus is different than his the voice he's rapping with, yeah. And like he switches up the flow in the second verse and everything. Mm-hmm. So he really, uh, he really shows from everything from a little auto tune singing to some rapping, to some screaming to like he really showcases all of his vocal abilities on the on this track. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. You kind of hit you kind of hit this earlier. When you said that these three tracks really depict, to me, all three parts of the album, like the Shireen, which is the dark, eerie song, mm-hmm. then you have the then you have the bitch don't kill my vibe, that's a light-hearted, fun song. Then you have the backseat freestyle, which is the kind of aggressive, in your face, song. yeah, in your face song. Uh, the next track I wanted to get to is track number four, the art of peer pressure. Now this one was right away one of my favorites. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also say that I think it's one of the best songs Kendrick's ever made. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. I would totally co-sign that. It's uh the beat switch is unbelievable and again it gets back to that eerie vibe that Shireen had uh where again he's telling another story and this is really for those of you that are trying to follow the story chronologically, this is really where the story really kicks off and starts to get into full gear. And then from here on out is like this is a big part of the story. So again, this is a this is a very important song. 
and it starts off with the light again the whole light-hearted uh vibe where he's you know kind of singing and playing around and then it gets the beat switches in it i love that beat switch man i i swear to you that's one of my favorite parts of this entire album is that beat switch and oh that yeah bridge. definitely i know the way that it cut the it's so like and it's a it's so simple at the same time what the beat turns into you know yeah. what i'm saying but like it gives you a chance to really focus on what he's saying it does and it's again it's so dark and his vocals come in so crisp and so clean that you can hear it and again you, you're hearing it his voice is different because he's narrating the story that happened from when he was younger and then he incorporates it's so cool how he incorporates the whole conversation in the middle of the song then transitions back yeah and then has the police siren exactly. coming in and not only is it creative but it also really really it puts you in his shoes like more than i i, I almost think more than any song on this album it literally paints a an entire picture of the exact moment that he was living yeah. in you know what i'm in, saying in the exact situation he's going through so i mean this shows his uh narrative ability this shows it at its pinnacle and again that's important when you have an album like this that is a story so it was it's, it's a very important song not only for the album but just for him in general and and i think it's a i think it's a huge one for the listener because this album is meant to emotionally connect and make emotional connection with you and you're supposed to connect with Kendrick Lamar the character because again this is written like a movie type thing it's played out as a movie off of some true events in his life so that that again this is like a really important part of the album but um let's let's move on to Money Trees now so Money Trees again is uh takes place right after the event in track four and Money Trees is a great, uh, we kind of talked about it earlier with Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, right? It's a lighthearted, it's a fun song. Yes, definitely. And man, does J-Rock, J-Rock is another TDE artist from Kendrick's label. He is actually the OG of TDE, the first one to sign from the Black <laughs> Hippie group. But he is, uh, he really steals the show on this one, man, with this verse. It's awesome. And see, that's funny because this verse kind of had me twisted at first. I didn't think that it was going to be as interesting as it actually ended up being you know what i'm saying yeah. like at first i didn't see it for what it was yeah yeah i agree with that and um also at the end of the day like even though j-rock's verse is really good i do think that kendrick's uh kendrick's is very catchy very fun and i think kendrick's fits very well with the album too so i don't think it's like j-rock own, really owns the show or like i don't think he took anything away from kendrick i think he just he just provided a different perspective because for those of you that don't know J-Rock, you'll you'll know when you hear the album that he has a very harsh uh brass voice and versus Kendrick's in this song which is very lighthearted and fun. So it's like a good contrast of the two sides. Oh yeah, definitely. And the next song, uh Poetic Justice. Now this was one of the lead singles off the album uh featuring Drake. So when you have a Drake song, it's going to be a lead single. Uh Kendrick Lamar and Drake on Poetic Justice. Now, this one is is uh, essentially a love song. And but still another one of the more eerie tracks on the album at the same time. It is it I think it has a very distant vibe almost. I'm talking production yeah. wise. Almost I don't know creepy if it's, it's it, right it almost word. sounds like an old Kanye sample. Yeah, it does. It does. It kind of and it really does have like I love this record because it really does have a timeless feel to it, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so with that whole timeless feel, and I really feel like this is, if you're regardless of if you're a Drake fan or not, this is a perfect song to have him on, right? Like, oh yeah, no, this is. I would say this has the the most 
prominent Drake vibe throughout the whole album. You know that Drake has such a stereotypical Drake fucking vibe. Every like yes. Drake is so fucking Drake it hurts. Like Yeah. <laughs> I and, swear to God. And that's the thing, like so Kendrick did a good job pulling Drake on this because I really feel like if you're going to have any artist on this song it, it, as a feature it would have been him. Oh definitely. But uh even though I feel like Kendrick does one up him with the the second verse, like yeah, and that's why there's that tension today, baby. Yeah, there's, you know that's why there's that tension that's... today. This is where it all started from, man. Uh, poetic justice, man. So, again, they both do their thing. They're tell- they're talking a love story. Um, and Kendrick's is about the same girl that's in track one. The girl is a prominent character in the in the album, so pay attention to that. But really, I mean, it, it really is a good song, and I think that for most people, especially the people that like uh, mainstream rap, this is going to be one of your favorites off the album because it is very mainstream. It is very, it has a very uh, easygoing, lighthearted vibe to it. But at the same time, it does have it. It does have a little bit of a when Kendrick comes on, it's weird because there's a contrast, right? Like there's a contrast when Drake is on. It's kind of light. And it's just kind of, you know what I, I mean, where Kendrick's is kind of a little dark with what he's saying and everything. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, what what can Drake do that ain't soft? That's what I'm saying. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Drake, Drake has a soft vibe. and Because Kendrick... Kendrick, I mean, I could see where Kendrick was coming from on his end, definitely. Like, and I, I think that Drake really, like, if for a Kendrick and Drake song, I don't think I could have asked for anything else. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. Um, very, very well put. So then we transition from track number six to track number seven, Good Kid. And now these next two kind of go together in a way, Good Kid and the next song is called Mad City, obviously the title of the album. So those two r- really are, the, I think, some of the most important songs off the album, especially if you're following the story, because those two really show the the uh, sharp contrast in, in the city and of Compton and the, just the vibe of the album. I I love that sample on on Good Kid. See, yeah, I I like Good Kid personally, but I don't think that it wasn't one of my favorite songs off the album. Honestly, like I see where where it fits in the story. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. But as far as sonically, it didn't really grab me in as much as I would have liked it to. Being that it was half of the title track. Yeah. Which was kind of weird to me that Good Kid was one single song and then Mad, Mad City, City was, another. was another song but had two separate parts. Yes, okay, okay, I see that, I see that. We'll get into that when we get to Mad City. But as far as Good Kid goes, I can't believe uh, I can't believe you feel that way because to me, Good Kid might be one of my favorite Kendrick songs ever. I mean, it's really, really? high up there. Yeah, I just I think that sample right from the beginning really catches you. Again, you show Kendrick's narrative ability at its uh, at its peak. He's uh, he's dealing with like police brutality and everything, and how how his images look. And you really do again catch um, and really get a sympathy for Kendrick Lamar because he's talking about how you know he's just this kid walking around in Compton, and then he's narrating from a police perspective, and the police is saying just beat him up. He's probably gang affiliated. Step on his uh, step on his neck. Who cares? The, they'll never respect a good kid from the Mad City, and so again, that's basically the type, the reasoning behind the album and everything. So uh, once again, Kendrick is really showing, and I think it's very important, and it and it depicts a strong uh, painting and a and a really strong picture of Kendrick because he talks about also all these 
drugs that are around him and violence and everything that's surrounding him right now in in this in this state at this stage of his life then it transitions into mad city now this is i think one of the most um one timeless. of the yes one of the most timeless right so i mean mad city is very just from the beginning energetic very west coast hip-hop very uh hard-hitting this is this is really an iconic song in kendrick's career right like he oh is, yeah definitely see that's what i'm saying out of all the songs off of this album to date, I still hear this one played the most. Yeah, you'll. This is probably this one and swimming pools are two of the songs that you'll probably hear the most, uh, uh, just by accident. Right, exactly. For just from situational. Yeah, and so Mad City is again a song, and it's again it's like the good kid was kind of just the narrative and kind of the sympathetic side of it, where the where the Mad City is again once again it is very sympathetic, but at the same time it's very in your face where a good kid was very soft and and uh yeah definitely soft spoken yes i mean it not that kendrick brought energy to good kid but it was still the the The, the beat was soft yeah the beat definitely like refined the song yeah whereas this is like super gritty in your face like very like it is it has has some very like intense strings yes going throughout the entire thing it's it's the 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 production on this song was super super interesting to me it's like this isn't even a song that you would think that the general public would really pick up on like that. Because, I mean, I, not that, like, it has a mainstream vibe, but the way, the intensity, the level of intensity that it's it brings so is so, like... Grimy. Yeah, yeah, it's so grimy and, like, like, and it's like a new wave mixed with a old-school West yes. Coast vibe. Yeah, again, it has an old-school classic West Coast vibe. But it has a vi- but but it's even harsher than old West Coast. I mean, it's really strong. Really, uh, it really sounds like a very confrontational beat. Oh, definitely. And he's doing a very different voice that we haven't heard yet in this album. He's whining. He's like crying about all these things that are happening, which is and- something that he definitely uses a lot more into Pimple Butterfly. Ke- Kendrick has like his voice. His voice specifically is timeless. Like yeah. that. That little like whiny you feel so much emotion in that it's not even i don't want to say it's whiny because that makes yes. it sound like it's not a that makes good it sound thing. negative yeah yeah exactly it's like it's just so it's it's very ear catching and it's very interesting it really does like i mean look it's as really simple as this like i don't think we need to overthink it like it's really just emotional yeah like it, it gets it gets a hold of you and it really again to kind of signify that classic west coast sound he has a classic West Coast artist on here, MCE it, and so these got so these two come in, and he's just as hard hitting. I mean, when you hear him, you don't even have to know rap to know he sounds old school, right? Like, oh, definitely. And that's when the beat switches, and the beat switch. Now, I don't, I don't know how much we've talked about it since, uh, but I remember when we first talked about it. This was one of my favorite parts of the album when I first listened to it a long, long time ago, obviously, and. Um, you were saying that you actually felt that it kind of ruined the song. Like, how do you, how do you feel about that? Because you were talking about it earlier, how it, it didn't make sense to you, the whole two parts of the song, right? I mean, not that, no, no, not at all that it ruined the song. Okay. I'm just saying that I think it's, I, I thought it was a very, I, I thought it was a strange setup in the way that he did it because it could it, at that point it could have either been one whole song called Good Kid Mad City or I think it could have even, Good Kid could have taken a different 
it could have it could have even undertaken a different name where Mad City would have been Good Kid Mad City, mm-hmm. or could have been Good Kid, and then the first part of Mad City, and then the second part is something different. I don't know. It's just like or even, I, I, it, I'm curious why he chose that specific order of yeah. things. Again, Mad City is a great song. I think I think ultimately sticks together because of the range of emotion. Whereas Good Kid is kind of. He's not putting any emotion into it. He's just kind of narrating it, you know, whereas Mad City is all, like, pure emotion, right? Yeah, definitely. But, like, Mad, C- Mad City is, I can definitely see why you call it the climax. Like, they're really, that that is one of the most emotional songs on the entire album. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And one thing I will remind people that when you're listening and you're listening for chronological order and just for future Kendrick purposes... Mad City has, which I'll probably talk about on another podcast when I'm comparing the two or just talking about Kendrick in general, but Mad City has a very, very important and subtle hint on it that um, that's very important on the second part of that song. So uh, pay attention when you're listening to that song, and I think you'll, I think you'll get it. But um, anyways, let's transition to Swimming Pools. Now, Swimming Pools... In an interview, Kendrick said this is actually the the climax of the album. And if you're following the skits, it is definitely the climax of the album yep. because of what happens after the song. So uh, basically the whole swimming pools is, uh, you, that one is again another one you probably heard by accident just like in the car right. because it, it's a smash hit to it's this a, day. That's That was, I think, easily the most popular song on the album. Yes, easily. Next, next to Mad City, I think it's the most but like. I, that was like even when I first heard the album, that song was like such a standout to me. Still, yeah. like it, it's hard because this whole album is a whole album full of standout songs. You know it what is, I'm saying? But like, they're standout in different ways, and this one is a standout in terms of like main. This one really does stand out from like almost every other song, like every other song. Yeah, no, this one definitely out of out of any of them, this is distinctly different. This yep. is this this is Kendrick's hint at of. More like an eerie trap sound, yeah. almost. And it's and it's very the man. The chorus is very like hypnotic, almost. You yeah. know what I mean? It's very catchy. It's very hypnotizing, really. Like I mean, it's so catchy. And again, it's a song about you know, it's all about alcohol and drinking and everything and like the downsides of it. And it's so funny because like when you hear this on the radio, like it's so it's disguised as such like a popular song and a fun song, but it's like really really dark. And, like, it's funny because you could take it one of two ways. Is You can take it as if you just listen to it on, on the surface, like, in the background. It sounds like a light, fun song and everything. But then also if you're really paying attention, you can hear the dark, deep layers of the beat. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and so you can it's really kind of funny. Not even, and it's not even that. Just the deepness of his lyrics on yes. the song. Like, it's like, I feel like people overlook that, that yeah, song the for what it is. Like, I'm see- like the second verse is one of my favorite Kendrick verses of all time. When he's rapping from his conscious. Yeah, yeah, when he's speaking as his conscious. That's a very you know you know who else has done that? Who's that? Eminem. That's Eminem. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's all you can that's the only other person that's rapped from a conscious perspective. Like that is so like that's such an that, that's such a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Like, keeps a mainstream catchy vibe to it, which yeah. is so hard. Like that that had to have been a very challenging song to make. It had to be. It had to be very like th- from the second you hear it again, it's got that heavy trap sound to it too, and like oh yeah, definitely, and, exactly. Because to really like me coming from an actual rapper's perspective, 
trying to really be intricate on a trap beat is not the easiest thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to really, like, be just because of the way that the drums hit and the tempo goes. Like, it's hard to almost, it's it's hard to catch really creative flows with it, which is why I'm really happy Mm -hmm. that Kendrick did this song the way that he did. Yeah. And um, for those of you that have heard it on the radio, don't skip the song because actually it does have an extended version on the album and it has a whole nother which second is part which is very dark yeah back, i i if you listen at this song at all listen to the extended version yes because the extended version also has a skit which is the actual the skit itself is the climax of the movie adds a lot onto the uh, it really like that that it ended up adding a lot onto the track that i didn't even think was yes. a part of it at first you know what i'm saying like, and it, and it really, again, if you're studying, like, if you're really studying, like, Kendrick Lamar and, like, the connection between Good Kid, Mad City, and To Pimp a Butterfly, again, this song also is a very, very important part and a very important bridge to connect the albums because of what happens. Like, literally from this song on, Kendrick's career is different, like, in, in terms of just the way he sounds, the way he's talking, everything and you'll get why when you when you listen to the skit and really get into it. That song right there is one of the songs that really proves Kendrick's t- uh, just pure talent, if you're looking at it from these perspectives. Um, but, but let's transition to the next one. So again, after this climax, which is very important, it transitions into one of my, from the first listen, this was my favorite song. And this has still grown to be one of my favorite Kendrick songs ever as well. Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst, track 10. Now, this is a very, great, great song. Very, very emotional. He's rapping from different perspectives. It's not all himself. It's about these two. It's the first two verses are about other people and different perspectives uh, from things that, from the things that transpired in the last uh, part of the, in the last part of the uh, swimming pool song. So, again, and then the third verse is Kendrick rapping about his perspective on things. And then, man, the whole skit is very, is very, is very emotional too. Like it, it is a, it's a short skit, and I like that it's short because it's very to the point. And uh, again, it ties in so perfectly with that second part of that song. Is my God, that is incredible. The way the so beat hits and everything. Good. I know, and it's like that. Like once that the transition in this song, once that second part comes in. It almost like makes you want to shed a tear. Like it's literally like it's such it's so beautiful. Like the production on this song, like it really is, and it fits what he's saying so well. Like yeah. I couldn't imagine any other the, words. The saying. verse and the the production being on anything else than this song. Like you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and you couldn't even imagine him saying anything different than what he's saying. You know at, what I mean? Not, like, not at all. Like, like it just fits so perfectly. And then the second part, again, like I said, that second track, that beat is very like emotional too. Mm-hmm. Again, and it's very cool because he like, he he shows a very lyrical perspective. He plays yeah. with his timing a lot in this song, which I think is really cool. It, the way that he stops his line, is, yes. in in a lot in these verses is so like. I don't know. It's so it almost seems abrupt, but the way that he keeps it going really makes it work with each other. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like right. And uh, one of like my favorite lines is he starts it off the second part of the song saying, "Tired of running, tired of hunting my own kind, and retiring nothing." He's really trying to ignite so many different topics, and it, and again it ties back into what happened at the end of swimming pools, and the whole song is about him trying to you know reach closer to god and everything and it's so 
it's so that's one of the things about Kendrick man is he's really uh you'll notice it especially if you listen to, to Pimpa Butterfly but this album as well again we talked about it opening up with a prayer he's it's a very spiritual album like it's very it's very like Kendrick is a very religious artist oh yeah I will not I will vouch for that 100%. He believes what he believes and wants you to hear what he believes. Like that's But like, he doesn't shove it in your face. Yeah, he too. doesn't that's shove it he doesn't shove it in your face. He's not abrasive about it, but he's just like very he solidifies and makes it very known what he thinks. Like yes. that's like that's that's honestly one of the biggest things with him as an artist. And a perfect example of some of my friends, I have a few friends who are actually atheists. They Kendrick Lamar is their favorite artist of all time. Right, which like, is weird that it works like that. Because he's so religious and like he in his songs, but again, he doesn't smack you in the face with it. He kind of just like uses it to justify it. Uses it to justify what he said in other situations. Yes. Like like hearing his music, uh, and if he's anything like the person that he is in his music, which I believe is very likely. I've never known somebody if I if I can say I know Kendrick Lamar. Right. Um I've never known anybody with a stronger foundation of a belief like than him. Like he really believes what he believes. Oh yeah, definitely. And he will fight. He'll fight it to the death too. Yeah. Not even. Not to mention, it's not even, like he. Re- he really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Like he's very, very knowledgeable on what he's saying too. Like I bet if you asked him to break down any line for you, he could fucking. Yeah. Break it down farther than you even thought it actually went. Like. Exactly. Uh, his foundation is unbelievable. And so th- so this is really like, again, it closes with another skit and a prayer, and it kind of connects the two. So it kind of sounds like it's almost like the end of the album because it starts with a prayer and ends, and that song ends with the prayer, but it goes on actually a little bit more. And these last two tracks are very reflective. So the next one is real with his girl, his girl Anna Wise, and I say his girl because she's like his go-to singer like on oh, hooks yeah. and everything mm-hmm. and uh you'll you'll notice that if you look at like the collaboration list that she's always with him whenever he needs a female singer um he's just reflecting from three different perspectives again the, again the girl character that's in the album then uh his friend and then himself and he's just talking about what's real but chris this is also a really good song too like it's very uh it's very uh it's very calm it's got a very calm vibe to a very relaxed uh, very beautiful instrumentation too, uh, and it really does sound like a like a closing of an album, right? Like oh, definitely. I could I could see it as an outro track for sure. And Analyze definitely brings a whole a, a really different feel to the whole song. I've never like this is one of the few female voices you hear on the entire album, which is what really makes this song unique. The only other female voice you hear up until this point is uh um. Kendrick's mom yeah yeah really yeah on the skits uh his mom and that is actually his mom I found that out the other day that it's actually his mom and dad on the skits which is really cool and so again it's a it's a longer song but it it most of it is the beat riding out and I I it's funny I used to be one of those people that just listened to songs for the lyrics but like this album was one of the albums that made me like appreciate when a beat fades out and I think that's what you have to do when you have to when you listen to this is you have to uh, let the beat ride because he does such a good job of of elongating beats and like way to carry emotion from one song to the next. Yeah, and mm, I so agree. so with that being said though, it's still not the outro. There's still one more song. 
Now, this last song is, is a really good feeling song, and it's called Compton, and it's featuring Dr. Dre. Now, Kendrick Lamar is signed to Dr. Dre. This is his first album under Dr. Dre. So, Dr. Dre um, really took uh, took him under his wing and worked with him very hard. And Kendrick actually wrote Dr. Dre's verse for Compton on here. And, uh, again, it's kind of a song of passing of the torch. So, as you, as you know, if you're a hip-hop fan or... Even just the average person, a lot of people know that Dr. Dre is from Compton. And, Very well-known you know, fact, yeah. Yes, NWA. Uh, no secret. Yeah, no secret there. And so he's kind of, it's kind of a very passing of the torch song uh, from like one leader of the West Coast to the new leader of the West Coast. Kendrick really does with this album establish himself as the leader of the West Coast. They're just flowing back and forth, and it's really fun, especially if this is a song that's really, I feel, more for hip-hop heads, wouldn't you agree? Like, yeah, yeah, and this is another one of those West Coast vibey songs, mm-hmm. and it really, and that's cool that, it's cool that Dre and Kendrick both kind of hop on this West Coast, in-your-face and intense and epic at the same time, that really legend and an old legend come together and clash on this type of a beat. Right. And they're from the same place, which definitely gives the song a lot more integrity. Yeah, and and again, uh, Just Blaze does a great job on the production i mean awesome. the beat is incredible and just the uh, production is incredible so again like it's kind of funny that because we talked about how the last two tracks before this kind of feel like an outro right but this is the real outro to the album and it's and and i think it's i think it's very necessary and it fits because it shows i mean this whole story is again this album is a two-day story of kendrick when he's 16 and he goes through all these things in the song that make him who he is today and make him realize that he's got to change. He's got to get out of there. And so then, again, like, if you're following the emotional side of the story and everything, then you're then Compton is a really good ending because it's a really good feeling because it feels like he's made it out, right? Like, now he's the king of Compton, all this thing. like Right, right? exactly. It, it ties the album together very well. It really, it, it, it kind of, it kind of brings you back from the, from the eerie, the eerie and the low and the dark vibe that the center of the album yeah. kind of brings you under, you know what I'm saying? And it has an, one last skit that fully ties everything together. For this chronological order, I've been babbling about all, all fucking podcasts now. And this chronological order thing I'm talking about is the album is set pretty much in chronological order. Like, there's not very much differences, but there's a few differences that make it what it is. So basically... The album is supposed to originally start with the skit that's at the end of track 12, Compton. It starts with the very end of Compton, the skit. It starts with a little tape rewinding. So you start at the end with Compton, the very end of Compton, with the little skit. And then you start with track 2, and then just play play all the way through to 6. And then after 6, you play 1, and then you play the rest of the album. And that's the chronological order. So that's how it ma- everything makes 100% sense. Now, you can totally listen to it the other way. You can totally get the story of it because, again, Shireen's... You can tell when you listen to Poetic Justice because during the skit, it plays the same beat as Shireen's Master yeah. Splinter's Daughter. So uh, you can tell then that that's where it's supposed to be. And basically all that song is is a backstory on him and her. And see, if you know the story like Kendrick does, then it would make sense for Shireen's... For, you know, Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter, to, to, go, to, to go in that spot... But when you're coming into this album, you don't know Shireen, yeah. which is a huge 
part of of this whole album. So to put that at the beginning as the first track really gives you an introduction to who she is, which is super important. Yeah, right. And exactly. And I think it's super important to connect. It, it connects you to him, too. Like, it shows you kind of, like, what he is and everything at that point. So that's a very good point. So, yeah, like I was saying, uh, there's, a link on, there's a link to it on Rap Genius. I'll probably put it in the podcast description if you guys want to check it out. Uh, that's another thing I recommend, too, is um, for those – for those of you that don't like to just listen to songs over and over till you get it, you can look up all the lyrics on Rap Genius to every single song. And uh, not only will you find the lyrics, but you'll find, you can click on the lines and each line will have uh, basically a, a reasoning behind why it's being said and what it means and all, all of that and some backstory. So that, that really helps you learn the album as well. So that's if you want to check that out. All right, Chris. So real quickly, I want to hit the bonus tracks. Now, there's there's a few bonus tracks. There's a few different deluxe versions, but we'll get into the main deluxe version. I guess you can call it right. Uh, and these songs are the recipe, Black Boy Fly, Now or Never, and Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe remix with Jay Z. Originally, some of these were actually my favorites on the album Absolutely. when they first when they first came out. Like these are these are great songs that they just didn't they didn't follow the story of the album but they definitely fit um the theme and everything of it uh chris so what was what was some of your favorites off off of those four well my i mean i'm just gonna go with two out of the four okay and my two favorite out of the four goes in order to black boy fly and then the recipe so now we're never like okay loki shout, shout out to uh kendrick for the mary j blige feature yeah that was so tight like um, and then the, uh, the Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe remix was a little, like, I don't know, for some, like, I, I personally, and still to this day, I say it, like, I like the original version better. You do? Yeah, I always have, and I always will. Like, that's, like, a standpoint that, like, I've, you know, like, I've, I've definitely, like, always stood by that. I don't know, there's something about the remix, I like Kendrick, dude. I, yeah. I, I like Kendrick's presence on that song. Like, mm-hmm. that, that song... That song brings me back to a specific time, so, like, there's a reason that, like, I liked, and that was, like, before I really knew about the remix like that, because the remix was, like, the remix was like, turned into more of, like, a radio hit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It like, ki- yeah, it kind of did. It was kind of, like, published as, like, a radio hit, like, with Jay-Z on it. Like, it was just, like... Yeah, like- which, like, I mean, it's not, like, the song isn't, like, necessarily a radio hit, but that like the remix was definitely publicized as a radio yeah like, i mean because it had kendrick and jay-z like right two of the i mean that's names, that, that's yeah. a crazy duo yeah, yeah. exactly but uh, so go ahead and talk about black boy fly then because that was the one that was the one you didn't talk about you hit now or never and um or or the recipe so you yeah didn't hit those black boy fly was i don't know to me it really stood out like i had the deluxe edition from the get-go so like black boy fly to me like was that, part of the album? Yeah, to me, that was part of the album. Like, I don't know. There, I, I totally see how it didn't fit, though. The subject matter... I mean, the subject matter was kind of, like... I mean, it was on it in the fact of, like, you know, making out making Compton, it out of yeah. Compton, like, that. But it... And it was really cool. Like, I liked it a lot because it, it brought, like, another perspective to it. Because he didn't really discuss that through the whole thing. He didn't discuss, like, the whole, you know, okay, you either rap or you make it out playing yeah. basketball you know what i'm right. saying he and so like that stereotypes yeah. yeah and so that was where like he really like rounded that whole stereotype back up not to say that okay only rap about stereotypes but it's like i mean it's good to address that in the situation that mm-hmm. he's in you know what I'm right saying? yeah and no i'll agree with that on black boy fly that is one of my favorites of the four um because 
just because of Black Black Boy Fly to me is is a great storytelling song by it. Like his storytelling on that song is very good. Yes. It's just about, you know, it's how a lot, it's a lot like the art of peer pressure. Yes. Very, very much. So it's, it's elite storytelling. So I like that song a lot. And, uh, it's basically talking about, like we said, you know, he knows Aaron Aflalo, who if you don't know, is an NBA player and this other rapper from Compton and they both make it out. And so Kendrick's, you know, hearing the phrase that only one in a million make it out. So he's fearing that these are the guys that make it out and not him. So he's kind of struggling with that problem. But um, let's go to the recipe. So the one, the last one you didn't touch. So why do you love the recipe? The recipe, to me, I think the recipe should have replaced Compton on the on the album. I understand, like, the concept behind Compton that, like, you know, Dre and Kendrick are both from there. Yeah, so, like, it's it, the that, passing of the torch. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense why they put that there. But to me, the recipe was much better of, like, a closeout to an album. And, like, I, I don't know. There was something in my mind that always made me think that, like, that should have been... The, the outro. Yeah, the outro rather than Compton. Okay, see, I, I like it, too, because it's very California. Yeah, it's very... It, it is very... I mean, it's very West Coast and yes. very, like... Uh, very like you know riding with the, the top down type of thing yeah like, like yeah. with the with the soft sampling and everything and it's just yeah, the, it's very the women tight. weed and weather that's what you go yep. to california for so yeah i love that song too my my two favorites are honestly as much as i love black boy fly i might have to say the recipe and bitch don't kill my vibe remix and so here's why i say bitch don't kill my vibe remix the 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 thing with that is is yeah i see where you're coming from but I like it because, to me, it's like, even when they released it, they released, I don't know if you caught this, but they released, like, a, a title graphic for it, or, or cover art for it, rather. And so that cover art was and when Kobe was a rookie and MJ was talking to him. And, like, to me, that was, like, Jay-Z talking to Kendrick, like, you up next. And, and, it, was, and it was crazy how, like, their energy feeded off of each other. Like, Kendrick came in, he did his thing, then Jay-Z comes in and delivers a really hard verse. And then you see Kendrick amp up his energy and go take it even the, take the song to another level after that. And so, like to me, like as like a hip hop head, like that was why to me, "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe" is one of my favorites. It's hard for me to take a song that's already been crafted for what it is and then turn it into something like remixes. Like there has to be a very certain like you you have to really nail a remix in order for me to kind of right. kind of like you know understand it and take it in completely for what it is like there's no. like i don't like it's it, there's something about like because i don't know bitch don't kill my vibe was just such a vital component of the album to me right that like taking that like you know there's certain songs that i think can be remixed and there's certain songs that i think sometimes get remixed and shouldn't be yeah to me that was one that stood out that probably shouldn't have been remixed and i mean you even got to admit even though you do like the song that it could have survived by itself without the remix. Right, as well. yeah, it could have. And see, here's the thing too, is like it totally changes the concept. Like like that song, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, like is literally a song about, you know, just about like uh just about like being yourself and everything and like it's it's the in yeah, it's don't basically, get in the way, basically. It's basically yeah, it's basically like it sets the theme and the narrative for the album. And so then they totally flip it into a concept track, into just like a bars track, like bar for bar type Jay Z versus Kendrick. Yeah, which so, al- always, which is totally different. Yeah, so. it's definitely like it works, like absolutely it works, and I understand why they did it. And tons of people pre- like love the song, and I appreciate it. Obviously, if Hove name on a song, 
Yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've heard it, and I do, like, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is some trash when that comes yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? These garbage can lyrics. Yeah. But, like, no, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, like, the, there was such a, a, that was such a, like I said, a vital component. Like, that just, like, that helps you understand the album a lot more for what it was. And then taking that and turning it into a just straight, like, bar for bar track like i don't know for some reason that kind of just like didn't resonate you know, go, with you yeah it didn't go over well with me yeah uh, i feel that i mean i i think it would have been much easier to fit under like backseat freestyle which was basically a song about lyrics and about and like it was kendrick flexing lyricism already right so like i think that that could have fit yeah because because it, it's it has a totally different concept to the the original bitch don't kill my vibe but you know it's a remix is a remix like it's not supposed to follow the same absolutely concept. yeah so yeah i mean i i get where you're coming from the backseat but, freestyle thing would be tight if i yes. could hear hove's voice on backseat freestyle exactly. that'd be crazy exactly we need we need that to happen shout out to hove i'll call him i'll make it happen yeah come on drop it on the five-year anniversary yeah for sure now chris let's get into our favorites and our least favorites. So go ahead and hit me with some of your favorites off the album. Okay, well, as I've mentioned throughout this podcast, one of my all-time favorites, The Art of Peer Pressure. Yep. It's just such a good song. I can't, like, I can't, that, that's a, that's a time, that, uh, of all songs, is probably the most timeless Kendrick song for me, for my personal opinion. Um, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst, another one of my favorites. Shireen. Yeah, grown to be one of my favorites. Money trees, always like that's another one. And I mean, and then there's of course like uh, swimming pools and bitch don't kill my vibe that are all great really songs, but they're not make they're not I they're not like in my personal sonic opinion with the way that it sounds, it's not what I would want as much as these other songs. You right. know what I'm saying? Okay. Like because I I like the introspective Kendrick. Yeah. More, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not, he's not an artist I'm listening to, to almost like, to, like for a radio hit. Yeah. He's not someone I'm listening to, to not think, you right. know what I'm saying? Exactly. Okay. So I will actually agree with that and say that two of my favorites are art of pure pressure and sing about me. I'm dying to thirst. And the other one is good kid. So I think, I, I mean, honestly, Honestly, there's like nine or ten of them that could be my favorite, and it's just gonna <laughs> depend on the day. But for real, I think Fair that enough. those, yeah, I, I could, think I... that those three are for sure solidified, at least in the top five, right? Yeah, I see, and I don't know, man. Good Kid just doesn't fit my vibe. Out of, I'm honestly, that's one of my lowest rated songs on the entire album. Really. Not like I mean, there's no low rating. Right, right. It, but, so you mean like a nine point seven? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> right. Where everything else is a nine point eight. Yeah. yeah, but uh, no, I I feel that okay. So me, if I'm giving you some of my dislikes, then uh, if you can even call them dislikes, okay. So my least, if I had to pick a least favorite track, believe it or not, the two uh, or the one would be um, would be Money Trees. For whatever reason, it just, it just, that's the song I've listened to. I can honestly say without a doubt, I've listened to the least. Really? Yeah. See, not, that definitely doesn't hold true for me. I'm going to say my, uh, like, my, again, there's no bad songs. Yeah. My least favorite songs on the album. I'm going to say 
and I count the bonus tracks as actual tracks because I've always listened to it with the bonus tracks. Oh yeah, you got to with this album. Got exactly. to. So I'm gonna say Major Key. Now or Never, not one of my favorite songs. Okay. Real actually, it's it's great, and you know, again, every. But I get it. You well, have to yeah, be in yeah, a certain vibe yeah, to listen you, to it. You have to definitely be in a certain mood to catch that one. Good Kid, again, a very particular mood song to me. I don't think that it's... The beat isn't... It, it doesn't make you vibe as much as I'd like it to. Okay. But that's just my personal opinion. And honestly, other than that, there's no there, there's no low points other than those in my opinion. Like, every other song is outstanding i wouldn't say cosine but i respect where you're coming from on those because i i don't agree with good kid good kid is one of my favorites off the album do you see where i relate the songs yes yeah i do okay okay i i see that i see what i see what you're saying with good kid but to me i don't know i've always been a weird dude like i can listen to i can listen to like uh swimming pools and then next i can listen to real and i can be totally fine right you know what i mean i've always been like a weird person that can fluctuate like emotional songs really fast like different emotions and music really fast. That's why it's kind of funny how like artists, if you'll notice, construct music in a way where like let's say they'll have seven tracks that are that are very hyper and energetic and then they'll have a track after that that kinda of calms everything down. But like I can just listen to like all hyper tracks, like back to back to back and never get worn out. Or like all sad tracks and never get see, worn that, out. That's what or that, go back and forth. See that's how I'm, I that's how I'll normally do it is that that's like if I'm going for the introspective and the dark and the deep and twisted Kendrick, then I'm going for you know the art of peer pressure yeah. and sing about me. I'm dying of thirst, and I'm and th- this is coming from as most music does, a uh, riding in the fucking car perspective. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So I mean like, that's what hip hop so, founded so, on. So like, know? say I'm I'm driving to class and I'm listening to the dark Kendrick. I just woke up. I'm pissed off just because <laughs> yeah. I'm tired as fuck and. I saw him listening to some darker, more introspective Kendrick that I want to think and just zone out. Right. But then on my way back, maybe I'm listening to "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe" and "Money Trees" because now I'm happy I'm out of fucking school. Yeah. And now I can go home and oh, do man. my do my thing. All right, so let's get let's get into the ratings and get out of here because it's been a little long. So, if you had to give it a rating out of ten, now you can give it any any rating you want. I'll let you break the rules. Usually I go by point five decimals, but if you wanna if you wanna give uh if you wanna give a point seven three, a point six nine. Uh, I'm not gonna do, do I, I'm not gonna thing. make it that complicated, okay? Do your thing. Go ahead. Look, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a solid nine point five. Okay. And there's a couple of reasons behind that. One, because it was one of like the bookmark albums of my adolescence like you know what i'm saying like like from the you know even trailing back to the beginning of this podcast when chris was talking about how like this is like you know this is one this one goes down in history as like forming this generation generation of hip-hop you know what i'm saying like so that really like that to me that plays a big role like that that really like giving a that title to something like makes it huge like that that's like you got to it has to really be there in order to consider it an actual like stepping stone of hip hop. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Especially since hip hop has turned into such a like you like realistically think of it. Nowadays you got people who are shitty and glorify on being shitty. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? So like throughout my adolescence, like tenth grade, eleventh grade, like that was what was 
going through my headphones on the way to fucking school. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that that set my mood for the day type of right. thing. So like that's like, that was a huge thing. So another reason and I'm not going to go too far into it, but to pimp a butterfly is also in my eyes another stepping stone of this generation. Right. That's just Kendrick. He just yeah. he he just got it like that. He can just drop two controversial albums yeah. that, you know, basically rule a whole generation worth of hip hop. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we get gonna, into that. We'll get yeah, into we, that. Yeah, we ain't going to talk about that That's right another now. podcast. But look, To Pimp a Butterfly overall is my favorite out of the two, but I don't want to take it too far. It's like comparing an older brother to a younger brother. They both got their own thing about them, their own special thing about them that, like, you can't get from the other one. You know, To Pimp a Butterfly is my favorite out, is my, you know, favorite out of the two. So if I wanted to hear something more like To Pimp a Butterfly, I don't want to take it as far as, like, oh... I don't want Kid, Good Kid, Mad City to be what it is because I want to hear it to Pimple Butterfly. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, Okay, I got it. I'll take it from here. So I agree with you. I give it a 9.5 as well for the reasons you pretty much stated. The fact that it is the crown jewel of our generation. Like To me, we talked about it throughout the podcast, right? Like There's no weak tracks. There's no, you know, there's no I, fillers. The skits are entertaining. Like, even I the skits on, are brilliant. I fucking bought it on vinyl. I didn't even have a record player. And yeah. I bought it on vinyl. Like, what the fuck? Like, and then that made me buy it on vinyl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. And so with with this album, to me, it's just, it really does capture a generation. And it and I talked about it a little bit in the intro, too. Like, it really did revitalize the West Coast. Like, the West Absolutely. Coast was, the West Coast was not really, po- it was like, it was kind of like the South was running shit for a while. And then Kendrick just kind of literally brought back the West Coast and, introduce this new sound that you're seeing all throughout west coast yeah but not like hollywood west coast like yeah. like ghetto west coast like right. south central west west coast like the you know the west coast that you're used to hearing like Pac west coast mm-hmm. like that yeah. like i mean not like saying that his album is like there's like don't be going on on no crazy fucking controversy shit yeah but like no like it just like there's no there, there's no discussion of west coast besides Pac. like that's like where it started yeah that was like where the root yeah. of it was so like Kendrick and Kendrick bringing it back, and it's very cool that even like on To Pimp a Butterfly, he brings the whole Tupac Tupac yeah. interview into it, which we'll get into yeah. another time. Right, another but, time. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I mean, this album 9.5 out of 10. I mean, that's really the reason is because I don't believe it's Kendrick's best album. Um, I'll just put it to you like that. Uh, and it's just it's great, man. It has a bunch of standout joints like. I mean, these songs aren't going to last forever. I mean, Poetic Justice, I mean, Bitch bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. I mean, these songs are going to be songs that are played 10, 20 years from now, and, like, people are still going to bob their heads to it. Like, See, that's the difference. With a concept, too. To the general public, I think this album will stand out more, but yes. to the true hip-hop heads, I think To Pimp a Butterfly stands out more. Right, And I right. think and that, that's, I, that's, and that's, that's a difference. whole other discussion for another podcast. Right. But, but I yeah. think that's where the difference lies. We both agree, 9.5 out of 10, solid classic, and to me... Another reason, the last thing I wanted to bring up before we get out of here is another reason to me is this is a great starting point for new hip-hop fans. Like, if you really want to start getting into hip-hop and, like, just kind of retracing the lineage and everything, Kendrick Lamar and Good Kid Mad City is a great, great start. Yeah, it's it's a good balance between, like, your golden age, like, kind of, like, 
you know, like boom bap sound. Yeah. It's like it's a good mix between that and like the new age trap sound. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, and then it has the lyricism as well as the concepts, and so it has it has both sides of it. Because I mean, there there are people who just like lyricism, and there are people who just like storytelling and concepts. You right. Know? And so like he finds a way to balance both. So I think it's a very great well, starting very point. Well too. Very well, too. Very well, obviously, at an elite level, if we're giving it a 9.5 out of 10. Even my to highest the po- rated podcast today, Even to the point where he, he, like, certain songs, he can jump between the two, like, and still make it turn out to fit, like, his, like, just bars, like, bars just for being bars are more than what you think they are. Yeah. Like, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> so... All right, so we'll end it there. Um, so, like I said, guys, this is the start of a new series, a cl- a classic album review series that I'm doing part strictly hip hop. So, what I am doing is on the anniversary date of the release date of whatever album you like. Let's say the Chronic. Let's say you know Reasonable Doubt. Whatever the album may be, um, I plan I plan on dropping a podcast on that date. That doesn't necessarily mean that the next anniversary is the one I'm doing the podcast on, but if you have an album that you think is a classic or you just think is really important to hip-hop, uh, stay tuned for the release date of that of that album, and that's when you'll see a podcast if there's going to be one. Um, so, Chris, in the meantime, where can they where can they find you at? All right, you can find me at twitter.com, username at Chris Adams, all lowercase, V for the second A in Adams. Remember that. Don't forget. All right. You could also find me at SoundCloud.com. I also do stuff musically and instrumentally. Um, you can find me at SoundCloud.com backslash Adams Christopher. Adams Christopher. And it's the V. Is the A a V? No. We we all we we all uh, government out here, baby. Don't worry. On okay. the, on the, on the SoundCloud URL, we government. All right, so you guys can find me on Twitter and Snapchat at Crispy1132. That's C-H-R-I-S-P-Y-1132. In there, you will find a link to both my Podbeans and iTunes, whatever platform you listen to my podcast on. And remember that whatever platform you listen to the podcast on, to please rate, subscribe, and uh, leave a review because all that stuff is what the companies see and everything, and that's how that's how, that's how I get noticed. So. Thank you, yeah. guys, and share the podcast and enjoy. What do you want to say, Chris? Yeah, get him noticed. Get my man's noticed. Look, Chris Platty has his promotion down to a T. He, the, promotion-wise, he's an ex-fucking DJ Khaled. Have you ever seen his Snapchat? You should, because you're going to find out all your motherfucking hip-hop and podcast updates. Hip-hop yeah. and sneak basketball peaks, podcast updates. Yeah. Sneak peeks. You get sneak peeks at music. You yeah. get sneak peeks at, basketball. at what's about to happen in his life. Like hoes. You know you know the deal. So crispy eleven thirty two. That's C H R I S P Y eleven thirty two. The next Snapchat mogul. Follow me and you won't regret it. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid Mad City, Classic Album Review, Episode One, Strictly Hip Hop. <laughs>